Do you, do you think that the bottom is in? Do you think that the bottom of BTC is in? And I remind my friend Johnny, there are nine layers to hell, my friends. Nine of them. Good morning. Happy to be here. Happy to have you here. Uh, Autumn, you do not need to read TOB first, Technology Belief. You you can just... Quantum Rapture is a sci-fi, but it 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 wraps and incorporates all of the uh, important research that encompasses a lot of things, which is why I put it in the very beginning of the uh, chat. I'm not muted, it, which is why I put it in the very beginning of the chat, because I wanted, uh, you don't need it for this episode, but if you can sit through the uh, program already running, thank you. Uh, if you can sit through the discomfort, if any, of this episode, enough to get through the even more discomfort, and the next one is 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 the pinnacle of dis- of the discomfort. Then, uh, with Quantum Rapture, you're going to start to see this whole whole another level of under of of inner outer meta standing meta standing oh my god meta standing meta standing right it is the uh, yes that's right a new word meta standing not understanding not understanding not overstanding but meta standing right to meta stand is to understand it even outside of its own context and uh, yeah, I know I realize that I'm the one who wrote the book, so it kind of helps if I if I push it. But I don't I don't push a lot of books, and I need you, I need you, I need your love. Damn, that's a good song. Um, some of you who are too young, you should actually check out that song. That's a pretty good uh, song. Someone in the chat will tell you what that song is. But. Uh, Anyway, let's let's get back to it. Yes, Statue of Liberty is a hermaphrodite. Very good, Awaken. Very good. Uh, very good. So, uh, consider yourself uh, homeworked. I don't know if I've ever given you guys homework before, but I'm giving you homework. Now, I'm doing it. Hey, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I just gave you homework. And it's to buy my book, Quantum Rapture, and read it. Because uh, the heat is on. Speaking of which, uh, I began this weekend... The sequel to A Quantum Rapture, and it is uh, basically taking everything that we talk about in the show and putting it in a uh, this same format, this sci-fi format. There's no censorship in sci-fi. There's no... Uh, I tell you, the, the biggest kick in the gut is when someone tells me, hey man, I don't... I don't uh, not, actually, I, it's hard to put it in words, but it's people will describe... The live stream business is this. Fresh is new. If your episode is three days old, no one will watch it. And there's a mentality that people have about that, which is fine. I'm not here to change the mold of how we ingest media. But fuck, man, I put so much time and thought into these uh, live streams. And when I let it go, I already know I'm going to maybe get 4,000 people. And then everyone's going to say, this is old, I'm done. I have to say uh, everyone because 
the algorithm does not allow me to be uh, suggested. Um, every episode in this series has either been uh, uh, labeled as inappropriate uh, adult content. Never gotten that one before. Uh, things like that. You get it. Uh, um, I'm not even complaining. I'm just telling you that I think that my work is probably only going to be able to withstand the test of the denial machine as a sci-fi book. It doesn't mean I'm, I don't want to do live streams, uh, quite the opposite, but it means I really probably need to get back to my roots of writing and uh, more importantly, recording an audiobook. I swear we're going to talk about the show, guys. I swear. Please forgive me. I just mentioned the audiobook now and you're like, holy shit, dude. Is, he, is this what this is going to be about? And no, this is what it's going to be about. But I do have to, I do have to tell you, I need help writing the book. I need help. And when I say help, I need you to uh, consider being a Patreon. A patron or a member, you can join a YouTube member or joining on Rockfin. Not only do I need that, here's the other kick in the teeth. Not only do I need that, I actually need a little bit of time to write this book. And after this episode and the final episode, which is coming next, uh, uh, I'm going to be pushing as hard as I can on this sequel and recording the audiobook with my own voice for Quantum Rapture. And if you want in on that, I need your help because the patrons that are supporting me doing exactly what I'm doing are having to put in a lot of of energy and prana to keep this pirate ship afloat. It's true. This airship uh, is under constant scrutiny. And uh, the patrons is the only reason why this this is even a show on YouTube. And that when I say patrons, I mean the Rockfin people too. So, so please consider doing that and understand that uh, uh, because of the numbers, because of the situation with the viewerships, by the way, our Dojo Worth, our second channel, which I was hoping we could sort of outskirt and create new. No, it's now gotten its strikes. It's the robot is going through previous episodes and finding uh, things, medical misinformation, stuff like that. It, it's all big. It, it's no big deal. But uh, that's happening too. Oh, God, I have to bring up another announcement. I'm really, really putting a lot of stuff in this announcement. But if you could please look at the chat, our good friend Sark hopefully is putting a link to the new YouTube channel, which is called High Magic. That is a show that we've now had to offload from Dojo Earth Radio, and we've created its own YouTube channel. We're doing our first show on Saturday, so please consider that too. Again, sorry for all these announcements and requisites and homework and requests. It feels like a pledge drive, right? If I had a tote bag, I would, I would, I would hold it up now and say, you will get this free tote bag, but really, uh, I really want to dive into the show and get it. However, wow, look at these super chats come in. Thank you guys so, so, so much. Mad Moth has posted the High Magic channel link for you. And when you click on it, you, you get to pet the, uh, the furry creature in the beret. The, uh, it is actually uh, a woolly worm. People don't know this, but Mared Moth is actually a woolly worm disguised as uh, Mared Moth. A woolly worm is used to predict the future, by the way. It's a, uh, a scrying device. And, uh, but anyway, let's, let's get started with hermaphroditus. Okay, let's do that.
And thank you for all those announcements. There is a link to buy the book uh, in the description too, which, which, guys, it's a good book. I I, I had to reread it yes uh, this weekend because I'm writing the sequel, and I was like, wait, what is Lyra's? Did Lyra go to Stanford, or did she? Was she in graduate school? stuff like that? Right. So I had to like go back in and read it. And even me as the writer, I I'm telling you, there's some there's some really cool feelings that you have for these characters. And if you know my writing style, you know, I do not fuck around. I do not want to waste your time. I pull you straight in. It's a very intense ride. That's why I write the chapters purposely. I distill them into this cappuccino s type storytelling and quantum rapture is the first extended novel I've done in that style. And you can have it right now by clicking on the link that gets you into Amazon because I already told you that we would not be doing any more of these commercials, right? Which is why I'm just telling you about it right now one more time, but I swear we're going to get started on this. It's just that because of all the other things that have happened, I just feel it's important that I, uh, I at least put this link in here just one more time because I just got through saying this. Thank you guys for being patient. We are getting started now, but there's the link pasted in. Let's get started in hermaphroditis. Some of you, some of you got some junk. Some of you got some other junk. Some of you uh, understand it's more than junk and, and that that's a colloquialism. But uh, uh, let's talk about let's talk about this. I want to uh, first do a really quick recap, which is to show you that uh, the serpent enters the Garden of Eden, drops its egg, tempting it, and this occurs. What was that? You're watching right there. That is uh, cleavage, which eventually leads to mitosis. When as soon as Eve takes the apple from the snake, this happens, cleavage. And Adama, the outer realm of this. See, I told you we were going to get started. I told you. You know, it's okay that I sometimes pitch my stuff. It, it really is okay. There should be nothing wrong with that, you know? It's, I mean, I don't want to do it all the time, right? But it's, it's okay that I do that sometimes. And I'm just saying that out loud because I need to hear myself say it. This is cleavage. And the Adama has become the Adam and the Eve. And this is the split, the side that we talked about, right? That what you think is rib in Hebrew could also mean side, face. And so the Adama is split into Adam or Eve, Adam and Eve, right? The ligature of A-E becomes A or E. And that is cleavage. That's the genesis of life, right? It's the very genesis of life right here. Just, I need you to picture and understand that uh, before we go on, because all life is this splitting of the self. It's this splitting and splitting, and the cleavage becomes mitosis, and, and we eventually end up uh, uh, growing and growing, all under the illusion that, I mean, all under this uh, motif of actually splitting. So life itself, the, the power of life itself to, for you to perpetuate is the art of splitting, Every time that you live, what right? The mitosis in your cell, right? The cell strikes a tone, a, a tuning fork of sorts, strikes the cell, causing a vibration, and the cell 
uh, under the tremor, the vitriol of the vibration shakes and pulls itself into two and separates, and now they are one. Each one has the illusion of oneness, despite the fact that they are connected to the all, the Adama, right? This, as you live, you die. You lose half of yourself seven trillion times a day as you generate new blood cells, new uh, uh, marrow, T-cells, B-cells, all of the, the skin cells, every, every part of you, right? Every single part of you is the splitting of itself in real time to perpetuate life. The perpetuation of life itself is this splitting. The rib, ribosome, right? The rib itself, the DNA splits. And what's up with these symbols anyway? What I mean by that is, is that uh, you and me understand the symbol for male is also the symbol for the planet Mars. And the symbol for female is also the symbol for Venus. But why is Mercury a female with horns? What is it about Mercury that people decided, oh, if you want Mercury, you're going to want a, a, a female symbol and then give it horns? What... What does that mean exactly, right? And you're about to find out. Aphrodite, the goddess of love and beauty, was wooed by Hermes. After she had rejected him, Hermes sought the help of Zeus to seduce her. Zeus, out of pity, sent his eagle to take away Aphrodite's sandal when she was bathing and gave it to Hermes. When Aphrodite came looking for the sandal, Hermes made love to her. She bore him a son named Hermaphroditus. And this is a, a, obviously a, a, a famous story. Um, and I want you to notice the symbolism of the sandal and Aphrodite and the ankle of Hermes, right? That the, the, the flighted ankle, Hermes uh, is known to wear his own kind of sandal, sandals that give him flight. And the exact same uh, motif, right? Follow the gourd. No, follow the shoe. Follow the sandal. No, it's the gourd, right? That the same thing exists between Aphrodite and Hermes. And Aphrodite, right, is the goddess of love associated with the planet Venus, right? Huh? Huh? See where I'm going here? See where I'm going here? Associated with the planet Venus. Therefore, let's take the planet Venus, and give it horns, and we have Mercury. Or, to put it another way, let's say we take Aphrodite, give her horns, and we have Hermes. This is the same thing, right? The same gods, different pantheon. So, really what we're having here is that Hermes is the horned Aphrodite. Do you understand? Hermes, the symbol for Hermes, the symbol for Mercury... Mercury is the horned Venus. Hermes is the horned Aphrodite, right? You get to pick which, uh, which one of these uh, uh, systems you want to use. This, these are languages, right? One is the language of Aphrodite and Hermes, the Olympian-esque, uh, and then the other is, is the uh, Venus, Mercury, the same symbols, right? 
And here's a fresco of, of the horned Venus. And the horned Venus wasn't called the horned Venus. The horned Venus was called Hermaphroditus. So a Venus with horns, what would look, what would that look like, right? And in actuality, Hermaphroditus, which you're about to see, is the two sex child. Aphrodite and Hermes, Venus and Mercury, right? And long been a symbol of androgyny, long before all this woke LGBT bullshit, long before that, this, this was been embedded in, um, all over Greco-Roman art and history and mythology. Right? And it, how is this portrayed? It is a female figure with male genitalia. Now, I want to remind everyone that the dawn of creation occurred from the sweaty ball sack of Uranus, or Oranos, and Auranos, right? Auranos, Uranus, Auranos's salty ball sack. I'm not not actually kidding here. His salty ball sack was split open, and the foam of which that fell out created the beauty that we know as Aphrodite. And so Aphrodite is a female born forth from Oranos, but she is endowed by a horned female named Mercury, which means that Hermaphroditus is actually the child, not of a man and woman, but of a woman and a horned woman. Now, this horned woman, I would like for you to, and this is why quantum rapture is going to be very important, I would like for you to start thinking of these horned people, these horned women, as Nephilim. And the Nephilim in the Old Testament was the fallen ones. And for you to be a fallen one, you would have to live in a perpetual state of losing something that you used to have. That that would be the definition of fallen one. And I cannot think of something more intrinsic than losing your hermaphroditic genetic history from your line. That the Nephilim were the fallen ones known for their carnal actions on this planet. They were brought here to this place, excuse me for saying planet, and they... Uh, were here to procreate and lust after. And what, what were they doing? They came here to have sex with our virgin women. That's the story of the Nephilim. And look at this. Aphrodite, the virgin woman, has sex from this giant hermaphroditic messenger of the gods. And produced hermaphroditus. And as we covered in the last episodes, this figure hermaphroditus is not a fringe. That this two-faced existence of Adam and Eve is carried forth throughout most of Mediterranean mythology and history. It's all over the world, actually, which you saw in the last episode, right? We showed you the Vedic examples. We showed you the uh, 
Mesoamerican examples. By the way, I miss one. Uh, Omoltecus and Omoltecamia <laughs> are the male and female equivalent. Uh, another Mesoamerican uh, guy. I don't have a slide for that. And uh, definitely prune prune my lips, please. Definitely need some some lip pruning. But uh, but yeah, you got that too. And all of this art portrays this hermaphroditus figure. This is all original art, by the way. Here's more. Sorry, podcasters, I'm showing uh, 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 mostly marble. This one's in Carrera, I can tell. Uh, mostly uh, uh, marble statues of this Venus figure, and she's got some junk. She's got some junk down there. And uh, and there, there's there's... There's a lot of them, a lot of frescoes, a lot of pottery, a lot of a lot of these things are found. And and when we look at these, uh, uh, so so the statue of Hermes, the symbol that that many people would use to invoke Hermes was this idea of a phallus, phallos, a pillar, an obelisk with genitals, and atop that obelisk was this uh, bearded figure. And we, in our culture, uh, it took us a long time to realize that, hey, some of these figures actually have kind of a female form. And I've shown you this. If you were to uh, use your eyes to look inside the crop of the red here, you can see that that face is a, a female face. That's the soft, supple cheeks and nose, although it's been hit, and lips of the female, but it's the bearded figure. This herms, these are called, were common in the ancient world and symbols of fertility. And of course they would be symbols of fertility. Do you understand now why this will be a symbol of fertility? Because it's the, it's the hermaphroditic god, right? It's Hermes, right? So of course this would be, now it makes total sense why this would be, um, a symbol of fertility. Not only that, if you were to, okay, so this is going to sound a little bit sensitive, but I think if you were to investigate these works further, you would notice that it's not just a woman that has a horn in her pants, right? Is that a horn in your, is that a horn in your dress or are you just happy to see me, right? That there actually is that same Ganeshan, uh, uh, vagina between between the balls between the Ten Commandments is the Stargate, and that Stargate is uh, uh, covered by the serpent, and that that's hermaphroditic junk. A herm might be found outside any house. These herms could be taken very seriously. They were square pillars equipped with male genitals on top of each one's head of Hermes. They marked areas as sacred or designated the bounds of one's home. Keep in mind, a lot of sensitivity is telling you that these are male genitals. This is uh, so much pushback uh, whenever you start to talk about this stuff. Um, you can look at some of my Twitter responses to, to see that, that it, it doesn't matter if, if there's like an autopsy body that shows you these things. It doesn't matter if there's like detailed uh, anatomical drawings explaining how all these parts could work together. 
And none of that matters to people. They're just like, no, 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 there's no way. You, you, you can't have hermaphrodites in this world. There's no way. It's an anomaly. It's a genetic anomaly is what it is. And we, we went through the same argument. We were talking about giants and why some of us would have this cervical bone absolutely necessary to bear the, the heavier weighted head that we see in reptiles, that, that the six fingers and the six toes would make sense if you were a larger creature having that kind of uh, n- nimbleness would, would, would be very much normal and not an anomaly. And that even her- hermaphrodites themselves, which is what we're, we're talking about now, um, fit into this same, the same bounds. And, and Hey, I get it. You, you've, I think I've spoken a lot more than others to be completely frank, even though my name's James about, uh, how insane, uh, the gender disassociation is. But I'll tell you what else is insane. It's denying genetic, zetetic facts. And genetic, zetetic facts actually tell you there are three genders, not two. Sorry. Sorry. And I'm using the exact same way to measure those three genders as you and I use to insist that this kind of thinking is a mental disorder. I'm using the exact same Uh, kind of proof, which is that I can show you a genetic chromosomal sex called hermaphrodite. I can show you the genes of that sex. Not only can I show you the genes of that sex, I can show you their junk. For $9.95 an hour. I'm just kidding. I can show you their junk. And if we are using the, uh, the litmus that there are only two genders because that's what science says, which I agree with, then it becomes important that you and I now prune our own lips and say, fuck, there's actually not two, there's actually three. And none of those are helicopter pilot, right? None of those are space-time cowboy, right? None of those are. But they're actually a hermaphroditic gene, that does exist and that you and I cannot claim that it is a genetic abnormality or anomaly purely based on the amount of times we see it. That we do not say things are real because we see it more than seven times. That does not make something natural. That rarity is just as natural as homogeny, right? And that not only would that rarity be just as homogeneous, But it could have been more prevalent a long time ago. That a long time ago, this land could have been uh, seeded by children of Hermes. And what is Hermes but the horned Venus? And that every time that reproductive act occurred, the genetic children of the ones above it would fall. It would become less hermaphroditic by design. We will get into this issue of by design after this issue, but I need you to have a firm understanding of how this hermaphroditic uh, concept works, how it physically works. Because you, you, can't, you can't take this as a speculation. I'm literally showing you just the zetetics of it all. And that Lamech 
giving birth to Noah, Adam, 1,200 years. Lamech, 900 years. Noah, 800 years. Prove my lips, these aren't the exact years. But these longevities of life through the Old Testament traces a degradation. That the genetic Nephilic line, the line of Hermes, when it has sex with Aphrodite, it loses its hermaphroditic horn status with every generation. It is a self-correcting governor that prevents the world from being overheated with too many people. And that you would not want to give the Nephilim on earth the ability to reproduce themselves because you would create a system that would have no check on it. That the first eugenics program that you and I have ever been subjected to is the splitting of Adam and Eve. And that that split causes a Nephilic fall, a Nephilictic, just, there's another, Nephilictic, thank you, thank you, a Nephilictic fall of our genetics. And through that context, now look at the psychology of everything that we're having right now. Look at the shame penundrum of your genitals and the splitting of that. Look at how the splitting of that atom would, would have a disassociative demonic uh, 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 plasma that you and I call and manifest as shame, as I am naked, as do you have a fig leaf? I'm going to need something larger than that, please. That that entire process is a natural, natural piece and part of this world. And you would need this Nephilic fall to induce this idea of, I am in need of salvation. And all of the salvation technology that we've discussed in the astrotheology of Jesus, all of the uh, self-flagellation technology used by people that were demanding, I am a saint because I ripped my own skin off. Well, I am a saint because I ripped out my toes and eyes. Well, I am a saint because I hung upside down on a cross. That that technology goes back to this Nephilic loss, this tumbling and falling of the Nephilim. In case we're not clear, at no point is this a slippery slope. At no point is you accepting zetetic information going to open a door for someone telling you that they identify as a helicopter. It's, it's, those are not the same. We, you and I, are looking zetetically at the information presented. And just explaining what, what nature is. Remind you all, the Ark of the Covenant was this three-in-one horned, this is the horned female, that the Ten Commandments, the Five Commandments on the left, the Five Commandments on the right, and the almond pillar in the middle are not complete until they're placed inside the Ark, and that once inside, the true meaning of the Trinity is behold, is beheld, the Trinity, the key to everlasting life, 
is the remnant history of this Nephilic fall. Right? Thank you, Tracy. I think it's fascinating too. And stop letting people tell you hermaphrodites are mutant. Stop, stop listening to crap like that. Did you know that in fact there are more hermaphroditic, uh, there is more manifestations of hermaphrodite in the species than there is not? And, I'm, and that includes mammals? What does that mean? If you break off every genus, every species, and you look inside that species and you say, is there any kind of hermaphroditic uh, uh, mutations, as we call them, <laughs> which a mutation is a purely subjective uh, judgment call, by the way, that you will find in the column that says has hermaphroditic, there are more life forms in the column that has this uh, feature than there are that don't. That it is the majority where these things are found. Is it found all the time? No. Has it, could it have been bred out of us in some way through a process? Yes. Of course. Most epigenetic research proves that this is exactly how it works. The sins of the father are only lost twice and now the father's genes are no longer carried through the motheric, the, uh, oh, come on, James, through the Raushian line. Thank you, Raushian line. The placenta line, the bloodline, which the Jews use a matriarchal uh, hereditary tracing, right? Why? Because you will always carry your mother's love. Your mother's love goes with you, son. Everywhere you know, be sure you do not take it where it should not go. Shout out to someone sent me the Tanakh. You guys are so freaking nice and you spoil me. You spoil me. But thank you for this. I, I've been really enjoying this. this. This process not only is natural, but it's the majority. It's how most of this stuff works. And just to show you the most basic form of that, right? Most flowers have these kind of uh, hermaphroditic starts, and it's actually part of why we can genetically mutate them ourselves. We take cuttings, right? We can blend these things. We're playing with the hermaphrodite. And the same is true in the human. When two fertilized eggs or young embryos of opposite sexes fuse to develop into a single baby, that baby, the mammal, which comes as a gonad of both sexes, is referred to as the true hermaphrodite chimerism this is Taylor Mule she is her own twin she has two sets of DNA and you can actually see that in her skin she has two not one she has two bloodstreams she has two immune systems This is a completely different sex or completely different uh, genetic. Sorry, it's actually not completely different sex because her twin is female. But it shows you that that not only is this idea of Adama, of Adam and Eve combined, 
not just James is going crazy again, but we actually have this. This is actually real. There's a lot of people uh, in Hollywood that have some type of chimerism or uh, more often hermaphroditic uh, tendency some, of some sort. I, I can't prove this because I've never seen Julia Stiles' junk. But as I understand it, uh, Julia Stiles is one of these. The, and I, I don't even like saying that because it's, I'm not trying to say there's only two. <laughs> I'm not trying to say there's only one. I'm not trying to say that Taylor's the only one. I'm explaining that this is not a, uh, an uncommon thing. And I, I'm speculating here, but James True is telling you that in my opinion, the elite families of the world would probably have a tendency to be more hermaphroditic. And that if you were a Rockefeller, you might uh, initiate a worldwide program where you were tapped into every hospital and that every single time a new baby was born that had this hermaphroditic quality, you as Rockefeller would consider that that baby has Nephilim inside them and would do whatever is necessary to either find, procure, eliminate through Herod, right? Think about all the stories of Herod or enhance or breed and pull away from the rest this thoroughbred type human that you considered more elite than the rest. And if one of these lines had the ability and had both parts and had both bloodstreams and had both organs and could carry their own baby, you would consider that to be some sort of God. A mercurial Hermes in a crib upstairs that you bred in a lab pulled from the womb of a surrogate, whether voluntary or forced. I don't care where you want to go in those thoughts, but think about it. I've said this many times before, that when you picture the elite, you realize that money is not something that dilates them anymore, that instead they would need to be dilated by something more. And what I'm describing to you now is that more. It is exactly that more. Just going to post this again because it's the link to my book. This is going to be getting weird. And having this book read is going to help. I'm not fucking around here. I'm talking about with the subject. It's, uh, you were looking at how the serpent swallows its own tail and how we go from technological epiphany to the fall and then the rise back up to omniscience and then the fall through amnesia and the rise up through omniscience and the fall of amnesia. Hermaphrodites are the bellows of consciousness the bellows in the garden that come in and blow. You know, when the bellows blows, you think that it's giving it more oxygen. But actually what it's doing is creating this vacuum around it. It's the vacuum. It's the removal of the air 
that causes the fire to burn. Because the fire has no choice but to intensify. Then when it's given air again, it does what anyone would do when you choke it. It would, it would gasp and it would be desperate to survive. And that that same process is happening over the eons. And it's aided by and manifested through our technology, our technological advancements. It's aided by that. And that's why we have this concept of the hive, the HIV, which is something we'll be getting into later, James. Let's, let's get back to this because this is, uh, this is important. The self, not all hermaphrodites are self-fertilizing. Right now, the uh, most prevalent form of, of a self-fertilizing hermaphrodite is the killifish, Ravulus marmoratus. The mangrove killifish, or the species of killfish, lives in brackish and marine waters off the coast of Florida and Atlantic coast of Mexico. Most mangrove killfish are hermaphrodites, individuals with both functional male and female organs that possess the ability to reproduce with themselves, a process amusingly enough called selfing. Selfing. And think about all the connotations we have about selfish, right? That we live in a world that says selfish is bad. That we live in a world that thinks the more that you are seated in yourself, the badder you are. Versus the opposite, which would mean if you were truly embraced with yourself, you would be more generous with others because you would not be wasting electricity by the dissonance of not being selfish. Right? It's all part of this shame, my friends. It's all built into this shame. Yes, it does. Thank you, B. It does make sense. Totally makes sense. This line, this lineage, this fall. Whoops, I thought you were, thought I had the slides on. This, uh, <laughs> this line, this lineage, this fall, right? From Adam and Eve through Seth, Enos, Kenan, Mahalalal, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, Shem. Are actually better situated ham. These are documented because they're showing you this genetic fall. This drop. And the drop isn't even bad. That a starter, that you would launch a starter seed of tomatoes, knowing that you were going to be hand-picking and limiting and culling the ones that were not heirloomed that you did not consider to be heirloomed, I should say. And that why are heirloom scenes more valuable? Because they're more tomato. They have more essence of tomato. Just tomato. They are eviscerating, uh, I'm sorry, they are uh, uh, commanding the essence of tomato, the heirloom seed does. While the generational seed, the tame one, is more subdued, more enslaved, fully fallen, right? The heirloom seeds falls. It is the Nephilim of the tomato. And you and I praise that heirloom seed just as the elite would praise the heirloom seed of the chimera of this hermaphrodite. It would be considered descendant of, from the divine. 
Moses had horns, you know that. Noah had horns, you know that. Some of you think that, no, it's a mistranslation, which just cracks me up that people keep saying that. It's, it's really funny. And it's funny to me because these horned creatures are um, always going to be considered royal. The royalty, historically the royalty of it all, was the wearing of horns. And you remember I told you that the thorned crown, a crown of thorns, was never a symbol of, I don't like you. It was always a symbol of royalty. That horn, thorn, and crown, those three are the same word in Hebrew. Paleo-Hebrew, they're the same. And that concept of being horned, the acacia wood of the ark, remember, the, is the reason why the acacia wood was chosen is because it's the wood that had horns. The bush that chose to talk to Moses had thorns. Very important history of us a long time ago worshiping anything that was horned. And so imagine if you heard that living down your street was a horned female you would, A, you'd freak out, because watch how everyone freaks out right now, right? So you'd freak out probably even more. B, you'd probably burn the shit out of that person. You'd probably call them a witch. I mean, not you personally, but maybe your ancestors. Be honest. Be honest. We both did it. That Our first reaction from the streets of Rome would be, we must kill that weirdo. And deep down, the reason why we wanted to kill that weirdo is because they remind us of how much we've fallen. And we would create an entire culture where we shame the she-he, the he-she. We would shame that over and over and again and create this war against it and would hunt it down and kill it. And only the elite, only the ones that save the sacred books instead of burning them, right? Only the ones that that store the sacred information instead of uh, crucifying it, would find this human seed to be a vital piece of this divine history. And it would be coveted. It would not be spread. It would be coveted. It would be hidden. It would be covered in more shame because that's how you bury a treasure. You bury it in the deepest pit of shame. So no one will want to see it. Alexander the Great has horns, according to Spectral. That does sound right. Good, great catch. Now let's bring this into the uh, inner conscious psychology. The Jungian model of the psyche, right? Is this idea of your animus and anime. That me as the male has an anime. The, the unconscious female and you as female have an unconscious animus or male. And this is the exact same thing called phantom syndrome. Do you know what that is? Phantom syndrome is when you lose an arm, you experience phantom itching. And that phantom itching can get so intense that the only way to fix it is to stand in front of a split mirror so you can create the Ka body. God, I hope you guys are listening because this is fucking cool as shit. <laughs> when you stand in front of, of a, a split mirror because you're missing your hand, you see your other hand through the mirror, which gives you a Ka body, which allows you to scratch your hand and relieve the itch 
on the side that's missing. And you did that through the essential magic of Ka. You created a space for it so that you could access the phantom itching itself. And that that same thing is happening on a biological level. The Adama, the red and the white, the red queen, the white king, united in the great work. And the great work is the possession of the Philosopher's Stone, the fountain of youth, eternal life is the quest for the genetic grail. The genetic grail is a hermaphroditic grail. Do you understand? And I'm telling you that the reason why they were finding and looking for, I should say, looking for the fountain of youth is in Florida is because I think that if you look deep enough into Mississippian culture, you will find hermaphrodites. And when the Spanish came, came ashore and, and got to know what would later be called the Seminole, they discovered that hermaphrodites were not uh, burned at the stake here, that they were considered something more important, something more authoritative. And I, do I have proof of this? No, but I'm telling you that when you look that every tribe is matriarchal, that every chief is female, that the female determines who is the red chief and who is the white chief among the men so that you have a war and peace representative, that that woman being female, if she bore a horn, would have the same nobility attached to her mythology as the thousands of stories that we went over a month ago about the horned serpent. And Quetzalcoatl. This is right in front of your face, my friend. Just right in front of mine. And there are people right now that are just steaming to shut this kind of conversation down. It makes them uncomfortable. It makes them very, very nervous. And you and I have experienced an apocalypse, which means you and I are seeing the truth like we've never seen it before, baby. The fifth sun is burning. It is white hot. It is showing us truth. And that the very side effect of seeing that much truth is our desire to create a mental disorder, to disassociate from ourselves is to say, no, 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 I am not a part of this, that my history is not that. Stop showing it to me. Stop it. But you can't help it because it's the fifth son. And the only way to leave the theater is through the doorway of Corona. Because you and I are crucified in the light, you and I are crucified in the truth of revelation an apocalypse and that is now and we are seeing that this is why the next episode will sting like a bitchy wasp for some of you because it is unavoidable this stuff is unavoidable let's get back to where I was here James, you're so, 
You're so head up. This is Fanny's, the Lightbringer from Greek mythology. Not only is is he the figure, she, he, she, the figure of this hermaphrodite, is carrying this uh, phallus. And beneath the phallus, you see he has the feet of a goat. These goats are going to be very important in the next episode. And I'll just say that goats have a very special nature. First of all, hermaphroditic goats are not that rare. When two natural hornless goats breed, around one in five of them is a hermaphrodite. Some facts about goat breeding cycles. Male goats can breed as young as seven weeks old. This doesn't mean they should be bred, but it's definitely possible for him to get his sister and mother pregnant. So it's important to remove bucks from females at seven weeks old. There's some foreshadowing here. And I can't tell you more because I think it'll take too long for us to go into the next subject of this. But there's a, there's a little hint for you. These Nephilim are the fallen ones, aren't they? The splitting of, of the primal the primal you is the cleavage and the mitosis that determined whether you would be male or female. And who gave that who gave you that chance? The serpent. The serpent. All right, um, I think that's the end of uh, the end of the show. Um, I uh, I hope I've given you some things to think about. And uh, just wondering, if horns and wings are used interchangeably? I would say they're not interchangeable. However, the reason why you see a lot of horns and wings is because wings would be the triumph of that, right? The triumph of the feet would be the winged feet. So to be fast, the triumph of that. So typically, it's more about that's the uh, the triumph thing. So, um, but prove my lips. I'm not at all trying to say that it is. Uh, just wondering if, yeah, let's see. Uh, yes, discerning light. Uh, I used to think that Quetzalcoatl was just the winged serpent too. I used to think that same thing. And it is the winged serpent. I'm not saying that it's not. But if you go back, oh gosh, what is that episode? It's not that long ago. Maybe someone in chat will remember, but we did a, uh, I highly recommend you check out the, my series on the horned serpent. It's going to blow you away. It's especially because, well, I think it'll blow you away because when I was watching it, I was like, wait a minute, all these serpents are horns. I didn't know that. I had no idea. And that horned serpent touches Egypt. It touches all these things. Uh, From the land of giants. No, I think it was before that. It was. It was Valley of the Ka. It was before Valley of the Ka. I've got some great episodes here, by the way. And I don't think it's fair for us to say, well, your episode's four days old, so I'm not going to watch it anymore. It wasn't the, the One-Eyed King. It was... Uh, I'm trying to find it for you. Uh... You know what? If I can find it, I'll put it in the uh, description because this seriously, this could take so long. I've got research everywhere. 
But I, as a member of uh, Patreon, you get the links right away, but I always make these uh, presentations as shareable PDFs and stuff. So, um, And you don't have to be a member of Patreon to get the PDF, but it's just easier. They're all kind of shown to you, basically. But uh, you can find some of these slides and other slides, too, and you'll see that. Um, I thought it was the one-eyed king, James, but I don't think it is. It was, I think it was before that. I really thought it was that, but I don't think it is. Uh, thank you, Linda. Really profound and eye-opening. Uh, okay, someone's comparing me to someone else. That's interesting. Uh, James, do a... Uh, I've tried doing a Sephir video. Um, <laughs> I only get like 3,000 hits on those, too. I think it's because my audience is the live stream audience. And so when I... I just released a video... Uh, Alex Jones video this is a three minute video it took me like freaking 10 days to make that thing and I'm going to get maybe 2,000 hits on it maybe 2,000 views if I wait another four months and then it'll just get forgotten I think that's why I need, probably need to go back and be a writer I think it just might be a better way to observe my work again it doesn't mean I won't be live streaming but I uh, I don't I don't think it's fair that my videos are getting 3,000 views and, and all of them have to be paid for exclusively by Patreon, by patrons. I mean, I appreciate it, but at the same time, it's not really sustainable. I should have a way to where I can, my work is self-supporting because that Patreon money should go to these roller skating parties and new moon fires and, and just other cool stuff. So again, I recommend you, you join me on Patreon. Not only if you if you join either on Rockfin, Patreon, or the YouTube member, if you become one of those things, I will be giving you guys exclusive uh, uh, Quantum Rapture reading as I'm recording it. I'll be uploading those chapters, and only you guys will be able to hear those for free. The rest of you will have to wait for the audiobook to come out. But you need to be, I need you in my corner now, right? I'm not going, to, I'm not allowed to go to Flattoberfest. I don't have another way of, of calling more audience to me. I'm doing my best to find other interviews and stuff, but that's why we started Dojo Earth, but now it's been hit too. The eight strikes, I've now had eight strikes, and uh, actually nine, and uh, it's, it's, it's going down, man. <laughs> it's going down, and uh, I, 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 I love writing anyway. I think, uh, I think it's a beautiful medium, and I think if I would have been less resistant to recording my own audiobook that maybe I'd be in better shape. So I'm hoping to catch up on that. This is kind of a weird way to end a pretty dramatic show. Um, let's see. James, stop grooming yourself. No, no. That's how I, I do that for respect for you. Yeah, hit the like button, peeps. Awesome, James. Definitely in your corner. Thank you, Bomb Blasted Gattofish. You've been in my corner for a while, and I appreciate that. All you guys have. Yeah, you can support me, and many of you already do. And if you want to do anything, instead of thanking me, I'd rather you type in a chat, hey, thanks, patrons. And patron, again, means Rockfin members, YouTube members. There's not really a better word for that. But, but really, that's who you should be thanking. Really, that's who you should be thanking um, if you find this stuff cool. So, uh, Thank you, Autumn. Uh, yeah. All right, guys, we will uh, see you later. Have a great day. Hope you enjoyed the show. I think we'll do the final to this, let's say Friday. Um, that will give me Wednesday guilt-free where I can write as much as I, I can. Got 4,000 words in this weekend. It ties in with this story, but just gives you more fleshed out uh, avenues to understand it. 
yeah, I could say so much more, but but uh, I'll save it because I'll, I'll get into this next episode too soon, and I don't want to do that. Holy hell, stop this depresso talk. Uh, PJR, have you ever considered that what you're saying is depressive talk? And that by you labeling what I just said <laughs> as depressive talk is fucking depresso talk? Does anyone ever see that? It's so weird. It's like people are like, if you, if what you say upsets me, then you're being mean. But you're the one that's turning it into something mean. You're the one that said, this is not good. I decree this is evil. And then you're using the, I decree this is evil and saying, I'm distributing evil. But you're the only one that pointed at the photons that came from my mouth and said, those photons are evil. So which one of us, PJR, is distributing the depresso talk? It's just something to think about. We live in this world where we decide that politeness and nicety is, is uh, somehow better than authenticity and truth. And those people need to go away. Those people are the ones that are creating the obedience mosh pit that makes this place so impalatable sometimes. That if we lived in a culture where we could just authentically be who we are, that we would find ourselves able to triminate, there's another word, to triminate all of the frustrations that we have and shed them like a duck. PJR is the duck in the pond that is looking at other ducks who shake themselves off and saying, hey, you're mean, you're evil, you shouldn't be doing that. And I realize I'm really singling him out right now or her out right now and I'm sorry, but let's stop shitting on people showing authentic electricity. Okay? Let's do that. Let's do that. Oh, thank you. Graham Greenwood. We should thank Graham Greenwood. Dude's always throwing stuff in the hat. Is that negative for me to say throw things in the hat? Is that how this works? Sandra Empty, thank you so much. Threw some stuff in the hat. So enjoy it. Enjoy my authenticity. And for the person that wrote on the other comment, hey man, you sure have to talk about sex a lot. That's literally the source of this entire series is about the, the dual gender God and how we've, we've taken this, this uh, f- what used to be a fetish for our junk and turned it into this weird amalgamated cutting and snipping. And you're calling me weird for you saying that I'm really going sexual here. This is all about sex because your genitals are the arc of the covenant. Your genitals are the fountain of youth. How am I supposed to teach you this without talking about your junk, right? And I don't even like the word junk. I've spent most of my life questing for the female junk. I have of bought meals. I have traveled thousands of miles. I've taken trips. I've uh, bought corsages. I've I've washed my car, I've, I've rented and even bought suits purely for the pursuit of the female genitalia. So can we stop pretending that anyone who talks about sex is somehow uh, exaggerating or taking it to the extreme because every single second of your life is a splitting of your junk. And you and I were raised in the city of orgies And that city of orgies forged you and I, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our great-great-great-great-grandparents. And if it was not for all those orgies, you and I would not even be alive. Right? 
Well, he wouldn't even be alive. So this shame that you have with your junk is fine. It gives you identity. It gives you a palisade to create the identity of who you are. But it doesn't mean that that shame means it's bad. It simply means that shame is telling you a clue. It is showing you a footprint, a horned shadow that used to be there before is deep inside your genes. It's there. And there's nothing you can do about it. And it's not even bad news. It's not. I love you all. Thank you so much. <laughs> we will see you later. Does PJR hate me now? Uh, you know what? It's, it, I'll take it. It's okay. I, I'm sorry, though. Wash your balls, James. Thank you, PJR. Okay, I think PJR is fine. He just told me to wash my balls. Thank you. Uh, PJR, if you could open your mouth. I'm going to get my balls washed. I'm, I'm just, that's, okay, that's a little low. That was supposed to be funny. It probably wasn't funny, though. Uh, thank you. Got a new squirrel. Pretty, pretty sweet. Someone, you guys are good to me. We'll see you next time.